Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We are talking USC football, the end of fall camp, the beginning of game preparation for USC versus Alabama. We're going to talk with the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde, get his thoughts, lots of questions coming in to the podcast, talking about this this pending USC football season. So lots to get to. Want to jump in with the coach in a minute, but if you have any questions for us, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave us a voicemail two different ways, 641-715-3900 is the number, extension 816-646, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or device. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. We have our own URL, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. We are on Google Play. Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, lots of different ways to consume the podcast, and we do appreciate you listening and writing in and letting us know your thoughts. So without further ado, let's bring in the coach. How you doing, coach? What's going on? Ryan, how are you, my friend? I'll tell you what, uh, it's now countdown to kickoff. As I said, the hay's in the barn. You've got your depth chart. You've got your starting quarterback, and now it's putting in a game plan and getting serious about the 2016 season. Not that you haven't been serious but now it's time to do a little dissecting. It's time now to go in and look at your opponent and uh, evaluate the talent and evaluate what could hurt them and uh, look at all the different angles. I tell you, I've been watching Alabama almost every day on, on TV. They have the top 25 games, or the best games of the year, and I watch, I watch them. They're almost on every day. Yeah, so lots of different ways to get some scouting out there for the obviously uh historic opponent in alabama september 3rd uh down in dallas at jerry world um wanted to jump at work so we're gonna get to all those topics um you can follow coach on twitter at coach harvey hyde we wanted to thank our sponsor for the show southern california tickets sctickets.com you can go there or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 you want tickets for the upcoming football season any of the USC games, any other college games, NFL games, Rams, all that kind of stuff, go to sctickets.com and they will help you out. And, uh, coach, uh, before we jump into the topics, um, I, I know you had a, uh, a big announcement. So maybe you want to tell people, uh, here, you know, if you're in Los Angeles, um, you can get, uh, get a little bit more coach Harvey Hyde during the week. So if you want to let people know about that, this is a good time to do it. Well, Ryan, thank you very much. And for all of you that uh, used to listen to me on the uh, pregame show and also on Sunday mornings uh, on ESPN, I moved over now to a different station, AM 830. That's KLAA. That's the Angel Station. Because, first of all, on the Sunday show, because of the Los Angeles Rams taking all that time for pregame shows and so on, it's more or less eliminated me from having that show. And I love doing that show. And I know all of you, uh, uh, most of you would call in and, We'd have a lot of fun on the show, and we'd get each other through those two hours, and, and it was great. So uh, what I've done to move it there, it's going to be on a Wednesday night. We're going to call it Midweek College Football Review and Preview, which we're going to recap the last week, and we're going to talk about the upcoming game. So it'll be like a pregame show midweek, 
and that's from 7 to 8 p.m. Now, there are some days that I have to move one to Monday night, two to Thursday night, and one to a Friday night because of the ducks and the angels on the air. But I'll always let you know when I'm going to be on, and I always tweet out uh, when I'm going to be on so you guys can follow me. And I really, really appreciate you letting let me do that, Ryan. I really do. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Yeah, so definitely check it out. It's more more uh, USC football content out there. You can get them on the airwaves here in Los Angeles on AM830. Midweek from the coach, uh, Wednesday night, so make sure you guys check it out. Uh, okay, so a lot of different topics. One of them we wanted to get to, coach, is Salute to Troy. So that's the annual booster event. If you remember the last couple of years, there have been some incidents, I guess you could say. Josh Shaw, after Salute to Troy, uh, you know, runs from the cops, jumps off a balcony, you know, tears up both of his ankles, lies about that, saying he saved his nephew from a from drowning, and then it became this huge media fiasco, and it was crazy. He was suspended most of the season, obviously, and you know, he was a captain on the team. wasn't a, a good look. And then last year, Steve Sarkeesian, a uh, little too intoxicated, gets up and speaks to the crowd, drops a few F-bombs, a few other <laughs> choice words, and uh, ends up getting fired later on after that. So, um crazy couple of years after salute to Troy or during salute to Troy. And this year was much more subdued. I went for a little while just to check it out. It's not a media event, uh, but I just went, you know, grabbed something to eat and, and talked with some of the people that I knew, you know, some of the alumni and fans and stuff, you know, I just went out with them. I wasn't there as a reporting capacity at all. I just wanted to check it out and obviously see if something crazy happened. And so Greg wrote in coach, he said, where were the members of the 1991 and 1966 teams at Salute to Troy? I'm assuming that the 91 team was still embarrassed by the loss to Memphis at home. And so what I did was, at practice coach, I talked to Shane Foley, who's a former uh, USC quarterback, and he was the speaker for the 1990 team last year at Salute to Troy. And inter- interestingly enough, he was the last speaker to go up before... Steve Sarkeesian went up. So he was on the mic with the 1990 team, gave the mic to Pat Hayden, the athletic director. Pat Hayden gave it to Sark, and then all, all hell broke loose, as you know. Um, but I talked to uh, Shane Foley, and he said when he was talking to the people that run Salute to Troy that for some reason the honoring of the 25th and 50-year anniversary teams had been eliminated from the program. And he didn't know why, and I have not found out why yet. But so for Greg's question, it wasn't because the 1991 team lost to Memphis. It's because that's really been eliminated from the program. And, and just, I'll get, I'll get your take on this coach, but just my take on things. It was, it was definitely a shorter, uh, program. I, my gut feeling was they tried to compact things a little bit more. They were, they didn't want another crazy incident to happen. So it seemed like they just tightened up. The presentation, uh, I mean, there was, you know, there, you had Max Nikias up there. You had Lynn Swan introduce the national championship women's teams and, and winning the Capital Cup. And then it was Clay Helton introducing each of his assistant coaches. And then they, they announced they would announce all the players. They take some pictures and stuff. And that was about it. So it was a, it was a little tighter program, I guess you could say this time around, coach. But my guess is it was by design because they didn't want kind of the craziness that happened the last couple of years. Well, Ryan, I've gone to that many years. You know I have. I've talked about it on the shows, and so on this year I did not go because it seems as though every time uh, I was there something crazy happened, as you said. Uh, you know, I think that should be really a, a tremendous event, and right now I think the attendance was down. 
I think people have lost their enthusiasm towards the Salute to Troy event. Uh, I heard, I wasn't there, that the food wasn't as good as it used to be, or, or cold. I heard, too, that uh, during the uh, award or presentations, that Pat Hayden's name was never mentioned one time except by Coach Helton when he said, I worked for Coach, uh, or worked with Pat Hayden, and I'm looking forward to working with Lynn Swan. Uh, a lot of unique things. And, you know, people go there to become accustomed to the players and the coaches. And and I, I would think uh, if I was doing that, I'd do a little bit different. Now, I don't know what all the NCAA rules are and all these things that they're so paranoid about. But, you know, wouldn't it be great to have a couple of players sit at tables with the alumni that go there and sit there and talk to them. I know they're afraid, what, somebody's going to slide them $100 or something. That's not going to happen. Let's be realistic and be able to mix with the team and mix with the coaches and have the coaches sitting at, at a table with some of these alumni members that pay this money to go. Uh, I, I would think it would be more of a, a close-knit type of thing with the alumni and the players and the Salute to Troy people that are there. And as you say, I don't know why they eliminate honoring a team. It's supposed to be full of enthusiasm. It's supposed to be really something that kicks off the season. It's almost an adult pep rally. That's the way I look at it, as an adult pep rally. As far as getting ready for the trip to Arlington to play Alabama, I'm not sure if they even talked about Alabama. I wasn't there, but I would think, you know, that might be part of the discussion that people would like to hear. So, you know, I, here I go again, being a little critical on things, but I look at it as people are willing to come and sit in the sun and be there and support the team and donate and do all these different things. you got to share the love a little bit. Now, if you're saying that or if you're paranoid that everybody's going to, there's nothing but agents and cheaters in there and everything else that will give players, well, that's crazy, man. Have a little confidence in your alumni. Have a little confidence on who's uh, buying tickets to your event. And... uh that's how I feel, and I've been there, and uh, I don't know how many people that are listening feel like I do, but I think it's a great, great, uh, and I, you know, what? What I why not introduce the parents, with the parents all stand up, that are the parents of these players, and have everybody give them a round of applause. Why not uh, do a little bit more of that? Now, I'm not going to go on any farther, but that's my opinion. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I talked to some of the fans, and I, you know, people talked about it on our message boards, too, on the Peristyle on uscfootball.com. Some people liked it, some people didn't. Uh, I just thought it was definitely a tighter presentation, and they were they were trying to cut down on things. But it wasn't as uh, highly attended as some of the other ones. Um, but you know, hey, you know, and and you're right, like they don't have the players spread out on the different alumni tables and things like that. But I think all that probably is by design. There's some compliance stuff in there, like you mentioned. So anyway, but just wanted There's to no compliance stuff in there. They keep overdoing that compliance thing, man. I... You're right. You're better off if you're in prison. <laughs> <laughs> they're very conservative when it comes to compliance. It's when really it been that all of that so. stuff. You know, that it's getting a little ridiculous. But if you, if you, if any of you guys attended Salute to Troy and had some different opinions, you know, drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com or you can talk about it on the message boards. That's cool too. All right. Let's move on. So big news over the weekend and, uh, coach, I don't know, but yours truly actually broke the news that Max Brown was named the starter. So I, uh, got, you know, talked to my sources as I was driving to the Rams game and, and got word that Max was, uh, Name the star. So basically, Clay Helton called in Max Brown first, and then he called in Sam Darnold. And when Max Brown came out, uh, you know, he was named 
the starting quarterback. So I ended up breaking that on Twitter on uscfootball.com. And, you know, USC put a release out soon after that saying he was named the starter. So not a huge surprise. I think most people thought it was going to be the, you know, the more experienced Max Brown, even though Sam Darnold made a really run, good run at it. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. But Eric had a question. Eric from Duck Country. So get your thoughts and answer his question. Now that Max has finally been named the starter, how short is his leash? Uh, what will have to happen for Helton to pull him? I hope we don't find out. Thanks for everything you do, Eric and Duck Country. Well, I don't think he's going to have a short leash. you got to let the kid play. He's got to become the leader of that team. You can't just go a series or a quarter and get a feel of the game. You've got to let the kid play. He's the starter. You've decided that. He's been there two and a half years. You know his pluses. You got to let him build confidence in himself, not just practice, but also in the game. I still talk about, you know, I, I'd love to see him in a huddle occasionally. I think that's really great to have a short huddle on the field and break the huddle so people can look at the quarterback eyes and remember he's the guy. He's the guy getting off the bus. He's the guy that's going to call the first play. He's the guy, you know, the real guy. So I think Max will do a great job, and uh, I'm happy for him. I'm also happy for Sam Darnold because. Not because he's not the starter, it's because he competed so hard. And he took it like a man. He says, I'm not transferring, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right there and prepare like I'm the starter every game. And I think that's what a man is about. And that's, and I, I appreciate that, and I like that. He's not moping around and saying, poor me, poor me, man. I went through it all, and my, I didn't throw an interception, and I didn't do that. Hey, man, he stepped up, he competed, and he'll be ready to play if called upon. So... Uh, this is the way it goes. I'm not going to second-guess it whatsoever. I thought all along Max should have be, uh, been the starter because he deserved it, and that was the position he should have lost as far as being a starter. And he didn't do that, so I respect the, the decision of the coaches and Coach Clay Helton. So uh, I'm looking forward to him being the team leader on offense. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Coach. Let's see. Let's move on. We had another question on the quarterback. Can you imagine? There's questions about the quarterback. Yeah, because it was a big deal. Um, let's see. We have, what's good, Ryan? Brian from Birmingham checking in, SC fan in SEC country. Got a question from my buddy, Coach Hyde. I know you were supposed to, uh, I know you were opposed to waiting before naming Max the, the quarterback. However, the competition did seem to bring out the best in him. Do you still have the same opinion today? And side note, uh, on SC's first offensive snap, if a Dory were to come out onto the field with Juju out there, how many uh, seconds lapse before Saban sprints down to the refs and calls a timeout? As always, love the show and fight on. Well, you know, no, I still feel the same way. I haven't changed anything as far as the quarterback situation. Uh, I've always felt that it was his position to get beat out. So uh, he uh, took on the competition. He survived it. And it was Coach Clay Helton's idea to announce it on the 20th and the 19th or whatever. He moved it up a day, I think, because he thought everybody would find out anyway. It would break. So, no, I support it 100%. And uh, I'm sure the uh, team is going to rally around uh, Max and uh, so will Sam and so will Matt and everybody on the team. And, and they'll be ready to go. And will Nick Saban run on the field? I don't think he'll run on the field. <laughs> Now, you know, he, he just might point it out, but I don't think he's intimidated by any player. I think he'll make him aware of it, but he isn't going to run on the field and do any of that. Him, Nick Saban's a very stable, confident individual, and he's really prepared. 
and uh, they'll be prepared for any type of package they might see with the Dory or whomever. So, uh, no, I don't think he'll do any of that type of stuff, and I don't expect to see a Dory much on the offensive side of the ball. I think they've got great receivers. I think they've got a great secondary, and I think that uh, him returning punts and kickoffs, as he's been designated to do, is enough for him. Um, Coach, we didn't have a specific question about the overall depth chart, but uh, that was also released um, over the weekend. I wanted to get your thoughts. I put up a couple videos on uscfootball.com breaking down the offense and defense. Still have to put the uh, the special teams um, video up, but any thoughts on the overall depth chart? It seemed pretty much like it was chalk, like not a lot of uh, you know big surprises. Not a lot of big surprises, but I really did like the way they moved the players around and the depth, the way they had them lined up. I, I really did. You know, like uh, Isaac Whitney, they had him down as the fourth receiver, and I think uh, he's a great player, and I think he's there for a reason. Now, most people would say, why would he be four? He's a hell of a player. He is. But he's in a position where you might want to redshirt this kid, and you might want to save him for another year. Why waste him? He'll be an experienced senior in a year from now. So I'm not thinking that that's what we're going to do, but I, you always hear me say, why play a player like that for ten plays or five plays? When you can have him practice and get better and better and better, and and then uh, next year be a star. So I like the, what they did there. I like how they put some of the young players in positions. Uh, uh, I really uh, like the line, the way they move the people around and put them in a certain position, and uh, they have great depth. I like Chris Brown. Congratulations to Chris Brown as far as him and Mama fighting it out, and they have him listed first. But it is a, there's an or by it. But whenever you say or, that means Brown's a starter, as far as the way I look at it. And uh, the left tackle position, I think E.J. Price has been the player that we've been talking about this entire fall. He was my selection as the most outstanding freshman that came in when I watched practices. And if Chad Wheeler can't play, uh, they must have a lot of confidence in Price as far as being a guy that can take some take some turns there on the left side. So uh, I watch him again uh, on video and stuff, and I think he's going to be a great player. Uh I think everything else is, is as we all assumed it to be on the defensive side. Uh, I think they mixed the players around. Green, they got green at both sides of, as far as defensive end for depth so he can go one or the other. I think Christian Rector is going to be a better player than what most people anticipated. I think Stevie, the big nose guard, is going to do a good job. And Cleo Rogers actually in the second spot, I think gives him good depth along with Jacobs. So I really like what they've done. And Malik Dorton, I want to congratulate him. What a great job he's done in the spring and what he's done in the fall as far as being a guy that has great quickness that's come in and challenged the defensive line and found himself a spot. So the linebackers, we all know about them. And the secondary, we all know about them. I see the safeties are going to be Hawkins and Tell. Um, Whenever they say or... I think it's going to be Hawkins, but McCray will play a lot. I think Matt Lopes will come in on certain pass situations. So I like everything. I like everything that's going on. I like the way they moved it around. And finally, we know who the punter's going to be. And I think that's important with uh, Tilby because we were watching it go back and forth. And I think he's really improved at the end of camp. And that's why he got it. And I think the place kicker, uh, how do you pronounce the name? Boymeister? Boremeister. Boremeister, yeah. Boremeister, I think he really had a strong fall camp. I really do. I think he had a great fall camp, so I thought he he should be the guy. And everybody else, you know, has fallen into place. I think they're ready to play. 
I think that they're ready to play, and now they got to get through practice the next couple of weeks and uh, get on the plane, go down to Arlington, and show up and represent the Trojans in the Pac-12. You know the the punter thing, Coach. They actually had an or with Chris Tilby and Reed Butterovich, yeah. um, which, but I think Tilby will be the starter and stuff there. Um, yeah, that, I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't think they were going to have a Dory Jackson returning kickoffs, but they have him listed as the starter. I thought they were going to try to back him off of that. And uh, Jordan Iosefa was, you know, was going to be the outside linebacker. It looked like they moved him outside, and he was doing a really good job rushing the passer. But for some reason, he's playing. He's they moved him inside too so and and just so people know this isn't like set in stone like if you look at the backup left tackle uh ej price or clayton johnston uh, i didn't realize that was an or there i thought price but price was the one getting all the reps uh behind him um if if you know chad wheeler can't go those two guys are not playing left tackle they move zach banner over so it's not some set in stone thing uh you know and we've seen even announced starters at the game the the you know right before a kickoff and they don't even start. So there's, it's all with a grain of salt, I guess you could say with this chart. It is. That's uh they need this as far as putting something up, letting the players know where they take turns. But normally when you have that, or you're doing that for the morale of the team, you're doing that where the, the kid knows he played hard and had a great fall camp. So at least he's listed as a possible starter. So I, I think that's why you put the or in there. Okay. All right. Uh, so that was the, um, the depth chart question. We had a question from Tarek. Do you agree with the decision? Uh, I'm sorry. That was, sorry. Tarek's question was, is it a slight to T. Martin that he has, uh, he as the offensive coordinator did not get to name the starting quarterback? No, I don't think so. I think the entire team offensively, defensively, special teams, everything falls under the leadership of your head football coach. And, you know, you talk a lot about it's Clancy or Clancy Pendergrass's defense. No, it's not his defense. It's Clay Helton's defense. It's not T. Martin's offense. It's Clay Helton's offense. They just happen to be the coordinators. You know, sometimes people get carried away, including the head coach, because he wants to make sure that these coaches are getting the credit that they deserve, which I think they should. But the whole responsibility is his. Special teams, offense, defense, everything that happens off the field, on the field, that's who they go to. They go to Coach Helton. So, you know, uh, I just think that uh, T. Martin's very fortunate. He's the offensive coordinator at USC. He's got a very uh, key position, and uh, it's his first offensive coordinatorship, and uh, I think that's, that's good. Run with it, but I'm sure that Clay Helton is going to listen to everything that's going on and have a part of the offense as far as listening to the calls and tell him, no, I don't want to do that, and whatever. And the same thing on the defensive side. Yet I think Clancy has more of a hold on the defensive side than T. Martin does on the offensive side because I think that is his defense, but it's still Clay Helton's defense, okay? The whole program is Clay Helton's. He's the one that gets the responsibility, and he's the one that, Everybody fires on when they lose or they do something wrong. So that's the way I look at that, and I think that's the way we have to look at that, that he is the head coach, and the head coach is responsible for everything. All right. Uh, John and Bray, I wrote in, said, thanks for all your in-depth coverage of fall camp. This is a question for Coach Hyde. Now that fall camp is over and you've seen the team in full pads a few times, I'm wondering what you think 
of Kenichi Udezi as the defensive line coach. Haven't heard much about him, uh, Clay Helton or any, uh, from Clay Helton or any of the media. I did read he might be in the booth during games, which seems like a mistake. You think, uh, he is making a big difference with the young guys. And what is the, his future potential as a coach based on what you've seen? Thanks. Beat the tide, John and Brea. Well, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's hard for us to answer that question. It is for me. I don't know how you feel. No, I, I agree. I know what you're team. saying, Coach. I agree with you. It's going to be hard. Yeah, where the defensive line works out, you can't even see them. Yeah. You can't even. The way <laughs> there's so far from us, it's it's really ridiculous. And they had the, what's the name of the coach that worked with him? Jenkins. Jennings. Pete, Pete Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah, I'd tell you he's the best there is anywhere in the country. I mean, and he's working with him and tutoring him and helping him become a great line line coach. I'm sure he has great enthusiasm, but how is he coaching? I, I can't tell you that. I mean, he, Coach Clay Elton has to have an idea. Or Clancy has to have an idea, I'm sure. But you sit in meetings and you evaluate films together and techniques together and all this and that and and how is uh, all the, how, how the rapport is with the players. That, that's all part of coaching and how well is he, does he recruit? You know, a guy just isn't an on-field coach. He's an off-field coach. He's a recruiter. He's a, works with the academic department. He does it all. So it's not just one area. He's, how is he as a complete coach? I mean, on, off the field, pa- parent relationships, players relationships, uh, all of the above, uh, the, the offensive uh, coaches relationships, uh, all of this. And, and can I tell you, I don't have a clue. Because I don't sit in meetings and I can't watch the practices. So, I mean, where they practice, I can't see a thing that's going on. Okay. And Ryan, that's the best way I can answer that. Yeah. No. And I agree that we, in the Coliseum, that we got to see them a little more. So I did actually put up some highlight videos on uscfootball.com. If you want to go to our fall camp central page, you can go back through all our videos. Um, so we do get to see them in, you know, one or two situations when they're in the Coliseum, they come up closer and, uh, can you tell them just going through defensive line drills? Like, is he a great coach? I mean, no, it's hard to see. I mean, they look pretty similar to what some of the other stuff does. Pete Jenkins is more of a consultant, but certainly a, a guru as far as defensive line goes. And, you know, he was brought in by Ed Orgeron before. So it's nice to have a, a veteran coach there because this is really Kenichi's first time, uh, being the coach. So it's, uh, you know, there's going to be some learning curves as well, but he's a young guy. They seem to have been responding pretty well. Um, it's a lot deeper of a group than what you thought maybe would be there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly something to watch and, uh, we'll check it out. But like coach says, they're usually really far away from us. So it's hard to get a feel. Uh, yeah, now, oh, oh, excuse me. Is, sure. is he Ed Orgeron? No. No. Uh, will he be Ed Orgeron? Maybe. Uh, Ed, Ed may, might be the best defensive line coach in the country. Uh, so give him some time. Let him grow. Is he, is he a screamer like Ed? No. Uh, but, uh, everybody's got their style. So wait and see what happens. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's see. Jeremiah wrote in. He said, I can't help but feel disappointed that we do not get to see Sua Cravens out on the field on September 3rd against Alabama. I don't have to tell you about the impact he had on opposing offenses. Do you see anyone currently on the USC defense that commands as much attention from opposing offenses the way that Sua did? During his time here, thanks for taking the time to answer your quest our questions. Have a great weekend, Jeremiah. Well, no, not right now. I don't. Uh, he's a, he was a playmaker. Uh, I felt that uh, he was always played out of position, but so what? He 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 did well. 
playing out of position. Uh, but, uh, no, I don't think there's a, a player currently on the defense that has had his experience and feel to the football and the leadership that he brought to the team. And uh, I'm looking, I'll tell you honestly, I'm looking to see who's going to be that person. Who is going to be the leader on the defensive side of the football? Who is it going to be? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen somebody yet step up. Cameron Smith tries to step up. Is he? I'm not sure. If the team has to like a player really a lot and respect him. He's still a young kid. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, well, I, I'm waiting to see. Uh, Biggie Marshall, is he going to be the leader? Uh, Adoy Jackson, is he going to be the leader? I don't know, Ryan. That's a darn good question. Uh, now, have you looked and seen someone who stands out like that? No, Coach. And I, I think that when you looked at last year, the, the type of defense that they played, more read and react, Cravens was a playmaker, and he stood out because he was just someone that could make individual plays. And you didn't see a lot of that. And I think there's there's guys that have potential to do that, like a Porter Gustin, someone that's going to make a big impact. I don't think Cameron Smith is in the impact position. He's in the right place in the right time a lot. He'll pick passes off. He'll step in throwing lanes. He'll, but it's more of a, I think you need to be more in, you know, kind of a space guy where you're, you're free to roam a little bit. And Cravens was able to do that. Um, it might be one of those outside linebackers. It could be the predator with, with Porter Augustine. We'll just have to wait and see. It could be one of the defensive linemen that kind of breaks through and has a big time. But I think in Clancy Pendergast's defense or, you know, Clay Helton's defense, but it's going to be more aggressive with Clancy Pendergast calling the shots. Um, you're going to see more people than just one, like last year, making individual plays. And you just want to be able to force the offense into negative plays. And I think you're going to see it kind of spread out a little bit more as opposed to last year when it was really, did Sua Cravens make a negative play? Otherwise, it probably didn't happen. I think one guy that can be a great leader uh, is Chris Hawkins. I like the way Chris flies around and and uh, he shows potential to be a leader. Now, we'll see what happens with this. We'll have to wait and see, but no, uh, I don't see on that defensive side of the ball one person jumping out at me. All right. We got a couple more, Coach, and we'll let you go. I know you got a busy day. Hi, Ryan. This is Gene from Orange County. Thanks again for the podcast and the great job you guys do. My question is for Coach Hyde. We hear so much about great coaching. I would like you to tell me what difference does a great coach like Nick Saban do differently than say coach Sarkeesian or any of the other coaches. I know once they get a tradition going, it's easy to maintain it. I don't know if it's easy to maintain it, but, uh, but what would you do different? What would, uh, what do they do differently day to day that makes them better? Thanks again and fight on. Well, you know, you've got certain coaches in the country that are just head coaches. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Devil Sweeney. Uh, you know, you, you look at some of these guys at uh, Jimbo Fisher, they're head coaches. Uh, they jump right out at you. You know, they're head coaches and they, they get, get it done. Uh, I could go through a lot of them, but I don't, I can't think of all their names and, and they've been head coaches at other programs. They've been through a lot. They're a little bit older than what Lane Kiffin was and Steve Sarkeesian and now Clay Helton being his, uh, first head coaching job. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a, a, that tradition behind him. He's trying to create that now as a head coach and what his, what he's, who he is. And I think what Nick Saban does is he knows who he is. He knows the way he wants to do it. 
whether you have an idea or not, there might be six guys voting there uh, the another way, but he says, you know, your vote doesn't count as much as mine. This is the way it's going to be done. The way they, the way they wear their uniforms, the way they take the field, uh, who's on the sideline, who's in the press box. There's no debate on anything. And, uh, uh, he's the guy. He's the front of the program. And, uh, there's no questioning anything he does. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know the athletic director uh, is the guy in charge of the athletic department. I'm sure he checks with Nick Saban on a lot of things before he makes any type of decision on the football program. Yep. <laughs> now, I'm not quite sure they do that at USC, okay? Nope. <laughs> I, I hope they start to do that because that, that helps create who Clay Helton is. So there's no question that uh, he's the highest paid guy. Uh, he earns every penny of it. Uh, they want to keep him there. He can he can play players whether they've been arrested or not arrested, and nobody says anything because it's Nick Saban, and that's how strong Nick Saban is. And the players rally around him, the coaches rally around him, and there's no question who the boss is. No question who the boss is. I mean, he's made Lane Kiffin a better coach because Lane Kiffin didn't really believe in running until Nick Saban told him, run the football, damn it, or I'll get somebody else that'll do it. So... uh this is what it's about. He's a, he's a, the dean of college football, one of those deans. You know, I'm a big philosophy and system guy when it comes to coaches. And I think having, you see guys that have a proven philosophy and system that works and it works for their program. Nick Saban might not be as successful at Kansas State. Um, you know, just with his philosophy, but a lot of it works. You've seen Urban Meyer go from Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. Um, but I'm a big kind of philosophy guy. And that's why when the whole coaching thing came down and you, you're talking about how good is, uh, Kenichi Daisy, we don't know. I mean, he hasn't really, he hasn't done this before. Clay Helton, this is his first time around. You can have a philosophy. You come up with one. I think this is going to work, but you've never done it before. Um, you hadn't do it a smaller program and made it work there, move up in programs, make it work there. Um, so I think that's the big risk of, of hiring a rookie head coach is they don't have something that's proven. You could have a great philosophy, but it might not work at USC. It might work better at some other place. It might not work at all. You just, you just don't know. You've seen the guys that are winning consistently. They have a system in place. And I think you need that in college football because you have such turnover with players. It's changing every year. You're losing 30, 35% of your guys because, you know, guys go early in the NFL. They leave or whatever. It's a lot of turnover. In the NFL, you have turnover, but you can have guys stick around for 10 years. You can't have that in college. So you need that philosophy that's repeatable each and every year. Those established coaches have that that works. We know it because they've, they've done it over and over again. I don't think it's easy to maintain, but you have to kind of stick to your principles and, and adjust them as the game changes, you know, make slight changes. So that's, to me, coach, that's kind of why when people are asking, is Clay Helton going to be great? We just don't really know. You know, he has a philosophy. We just don't know. It's not proven to work in college football yet. It's not proven to work at USC and, USC fans, of course, are hoping that it, that he does prove it and it works. Maybe it takes a little while to get it going, but those, some of those other guys out there, they've been doing it a long time. They have proven systems. You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, uh, there, and, uh, you know, the administrations at some of these schools that you take Harbaugh, they just paid a, a $2 million insurance policy for him. Uh, they want, they don't want him to think of any questions why they don't love him. They're going to take care of him. And, uh, uh, that those coaches that we mentioned are probably more important than 
the president to that university. Not that the president isn't important. And if you're listening and you're an administrator, I want you to know, uh, I don't know the president's name at Ohio State. I don't know the president's name at Michigan. I don't know the president's name at Alabama or Auburn. Uh, but uh, so, you know, they are the front of the university, these guys that are at that level. So it's it's very important that uh, these guys are paid, which they're paying them now. And also they're, they're the guy in charge. And they are. They run the football program. No one else. They run the football program or they'll leave. I'm telling you that right now. Or somebody else will leave just trying to tell them what to do. We got one last quick one for you, Coach. Neil and Manila, uh, do you guys think that the players – uh, are getting excited and hyped for Al- the, the fact that the players getting excited and hyped for Alabama. Do you think they're getting excited for that? I'm sorry. He didn't write that very good. <laughs> Do you think they're getting excited for Alabama? I recall that one of the things that went against SC during the Pac-12 championship game was that they were too excited and they became, became too emotional, emotional, which led to penalties. Um, thanks to fight on Neil and Manila. Obviously that's true. And, uh, uh, you have to be very careful as far as talking about Alabama too early. You don't want to leave the uh, game on the practice field. And I think Clay Helton's done a good job with that. The kids know who they open with. The kids know and read all the preseason publications. They're watching the same television shows I am featuring Alabama, and they're watching the players. They know all that, but you can't hype it up too much as a coach or you get them ready to play too early. You can't get a team ready to play too early. You build it up to a peak. Uh, Saturday game day. You build it to a peak Saturday game day, a little bit at a time, the plane trip, the this, the that, the momentum, the walkthrough in the stadium. You know, you don't have to say anything. They see it when they look around. They'll see Jerry Jones's house. They've been waiting for that, and they'll know they'll be playing before a national uh, televised audience and what the game means. It's going to be a fun game. It really is. To play someone like that, two great teams, it's going to be a fun game. I would tell these guys, hey, go out there and have fun. Fly around, man. Fly around. We can buy all the equipment that you need. Bust it up a little bit today. And uh, have some fun. And if we play hard and we can look at ourselves after the game and say we did our best, win or loss, that's all I'm looking for today. I want to see somebody go out there and play up to your potential. And maybe a little more. So, Ryan, that's how I feel on that Alabama game. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate it. We're going to let you go because we know you got a lot of stuff going on. Yep. Um, don't forget, Coach's show, AMA 30, Wednesday nights uh, on AMA 30 during the season. So, thanks again, Coach. So it starts September 7th, okay, right after the Alabama game. So, so I have something good to talk about. Nice. All right, cool. Well, thanks again, Coach. Appreciate you coming on. Everyone else, thank you so much for the questions and tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, our little show talking about USC football. But Huddle up and buckle up, as the coach likes to say. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 